Hello, and welcome to You Might Also Like, a podcast where you will receive the movie suggestions you didn't know you needed. I'm your host, as always, Luke Spalding, and this week, you guys, I'm talking about two movies with three strong female leads, because we love a movie that's led by a woman, let alone two, let alone three main women in the movie. One of these movies, the three main women are the bad guys. One of them, they're definitely the good guys. Both of the movies have Bette Midler. Both of the movies have Sarah Jessica Parker. One is a Disney Halloween movie. One is a timeless tale of divorcees. I'm talking about Hocus Pocus and the First Wives Club. So, I know it's not in October yet. I'm an adult. If I want to make Pillsbury pumpkin cookies and drink a pumpkin beer and watch Hocus Pocus in mid-September, that's my prerogative. I can do whatever I want. And that's exactly what I did. This was actually my first time ever seeing Hocus Pocus, which is pretty crazy because it's a movie that's definitely way up my alley. I mean, I love Halloween Town. I love that like realm of Disney, like cute, like PG, like kid-friendly. Although for a kid-friendly PG, like Disney movie, For Halloween, this movie, let me just tell you guys, it starts out with the witches killing a little girl so that they can stay young. They literally suck the life out of her, and then the three of them get hung, and also the word virgin is said seven times, I think, throughout this whole movie, so there's some, there's a little uh, edge to this movie when it comes to PG, I mean, I feel sorry for, because every one of the seven times that the word virgin was said, that's seven times that some poor parent had to answer the question, what is a virgin, mommy? What's a virgin? I actually remember I had to ask my mom what a virgin was because I saw like a preview or saw that the movie 40 year old virgin was playing on tv with Steve Carell and I had to be like, what's a virgin? I think, I don't know. I was probably like 10 years old or maybe probably younger but let's get back to the point hocus pocus is basically so it's a curious youngster moves to salem where he struggles to fit in before awakening a trio of diabolical witches that were executed in the 17th century so yes basically bet midler sarah jessica parker and kathy najimi are Three sisters who back in like the 17 or 1600s actually are um, trying to stay young. They suck the life out of this poor girl and then they turn the girl's brother into a cat forever. And then they get hung. But right before they get hung, head like Queen Bee Witch, which is Bette Midler. Her name in this movie is Winifred. Winifred puts, you know, makes a curse or spell or whatever you want to call it so that if the black flame candle is lit by a virgin on Halloween night, then the three sisters will be resurrected. So I think you guys can guess what happens later in the movie. Then we've got present day Salem. It's Halloween. You know, the kids are all learning about the Samson, the Samson witches in their classes. And then we've got Omri Katz, who is, you know, like a 90s heartthrob from this movie. All the girls loved him and the boys um he plays a character named max and max is like just moved to the east coast to salem massachusetts with his family from la and he's like 
oh, like, I'm Californian. Uh, Halloween is just for candy. Like, it's a Hallmark holiday. Like, oh, I hate my sister. She's the worst. Oh, here's this black flame candle. I'm going to light it. And oops, I happen to be a virgin. What's it going to do? It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Yeah. So, rewind a little bit. He's all mad because his parents are making him take out poor little Thora Birch, his little sister, out for trick-or-treating on Halloween. And they end up having his little um, schoolgirl crush tag along, which is who's played by Vanessa Shaw. And um, the three of them go out and then they go to the old witch's house and the stupid virgin lights the candle. And then all of a sudden in pops Winifred, Sarah, and Mary. Kathina Jimmy, who who is the witch Mary, she's, I must resonate with her. She's highly motivated by food. She's always like sniffing around like, sisters, I smell children. And she always talks out of like, the side of her mouth kind of like uh like kind of like drew barrymore but like very very like exacerbated from drew barrymore an extreme version of that i mean all of them are so funny there's so many funny one-liners in this movie there's the witches are so funny you almost root for them even though they are the bad guys you kind of are like I kind of want them to, like, suck the lives out of these children. Like, I don't want them to turn to dust at dawn. Like, I want more of them. And, um, like, the scene where they hear a siren or the scene where, like, they think they've never seen a black tar road, so they think it's a black river or the scene where they ride a bus for the first time. There's just so many good ones. And then it's, like, the way that Bette Midler treats her sisters is so funny, too. I mean, you kind of feel bad for them because she treats them like they're her stupid sidekicks which they kind of are I mean god bless them but Sarah Jessica Parker is like so blissfully unaware I mean Bette Midler will be like explaining something to her sisters and Sarah Jessica Parker is like eating a spider not listening and then like Kathy Jimmy is always like wanting to please her sister so much and boost her ego she's like like Bette Miller will say something, and she'll be like, beautifully said, sister, you're incredible, like, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, there's one scene where she's, you know, being highly motivated by the scent of children, and then I'll just go ahead and play right here. It's my favorite scene with her. I smell. Yes. Winnie, I smell. Yes, yes. I smell squad. Squad, yeah, it's a bottom dweller. You cook it sometimes with lovely breadcrumbs, a little bit of margarine, or oil, olive oil, good oil. You have to cook it 300 And then they, uh, there's, like, another scene where they, they think that um a guy dressed as the devil in, like, a red devil costume handing out candy on Halloween, they think that that's, like, their master, Satan. So they go into his house, and then um his wife is just, like, this such, like, Massachusetts woman. She's, like has curlers in her hair and the sisters are like look satan's wife is medusa you see the snakes in her hair and um they all end up like overstaying their welcome and the mass woman is like all right party's over everybody get out and you know they try to intimidate her and be like no you can't kick us out but nothing can scare a massachusetts woman nothing can scare her honestly I can't believe I hadn't seen this movie for 24 years, but also the fact that not only is it full of incredible, quotable moments, incredible characters, 
there's a musical number? Who didn't tell me about this movie? Why am I just seeing this movie now? I mean, I knew it existed, but why didn't I know that it was this fantastic? There's a musical number where Bette Midler and her sisters sing, I put a spell on you, and then they put a spell on all the adults that are at this adult Halloween party to dance and dance until they die. Also, the serotonin release I get in my body when the three sisters, like, link arms and kind of, like, sh like do a little, like, march, like, one leg to a time, like, while they're on the hunt for children. Oh, my God. It's just... I really think that probably if you watch this movie as a kid, I think if I watched this movie back, you know, growing up, I would have been maybe a little scared of the witches and been rooting for, like, Max and his little sister Thora Birch and Vanessa Shaw the whole time, you know, because they're trying to get the witches killed um, with the help of, you know, the black cat who shows up, and the black cat is Thackeray Binks, and he kind of helps them along the whole time. But now watching this movie as an adult, I kind of find myself rooting for the sisters. I mean, I want more and more of them. They're way more compelling of characters than Max and his little sister and his girlfriend. I mean, yeah, like, I don't want them to die, but, like, do I want more of Sarah Jessica Parker singing while she's riding a broom to the children? Do I want more of... Kathy and Jimmy sniffing out children? Do I want more of Bette Midler? Some, I mean, one-liners? Yeah, I want more of all of that. This movie has a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes consensus of it is harmlessly hokey, yet never much more than mediocre. It is a muddled, family-friendly effort that fails to live up to the talent of its impressive cast. Which is like, just like annoying because I mean Bette Midler has been quoted in interviews for saying that this was her the most fun she's this was her most fun role that she's ever played so it's like this movie like wasn't setting out to win an Oscar for best picture I mean it's a PG like kid-friendly Halloween movie about witches who are resurrected from the dead and suck the lives out of children to stay young I mean it's not trying to win any awards, any clearly, like, you could just tell that the cast had so much fun while they were making it. It plays every October on Freeform. It plays, like, every single night. I mean, this movie has clearly just become such a timeless Halloween classic, so it's just, like, sometimes I think that these critics that come up with these consensus just need to unwind a little bit, have a Pillsbury... Halloween cookie, have a cup of, you know, chai tea, latte, have some fall beverage, and just watch this movie, and just put your critic brain aside, and just enjoy it. I mean, it's a fantastic Halloween movie. I had so much fun the whole time watching it. Like, it doesn't have to be Citizen Kane. It doesn't have to be Shawshank Redemption. Like, not every movie we watch has to be an Oscar contender. Like, just because it has a huge cast, which, like, I would argue at the time in 1993, like, yeah, Bette Midler was big, but, like, Sarah Jessica Parker was kind of on the rise. No one really knew who Kathy and Jimmy was, I don't think. And Thora Birch was a child actress, as were the other, as were Omri Katz and Vanessa Shaw. So I'm like, what do you mean wasn't living up to the impressive cast because in 1993 I think these were pretty much all newer actors except for Bette 
but whatever. I mean, this movie is what it is, and what it is is a timeless tale. It's fantastic. So that leads me to what you might also like, based on your loving for Hocus Pocus. So, I mean, it's telling you probably what you would expect that you might also like. Halloween Town, yeah. I mean, Hocus Pocus is, like, followed by Halloween Town on TV every day of October. You might also like The Witches, which is another, like, kid-friendly Halloween movie with Angelica Houston. You might also like Sister Act. You might also like Halloween Town 2. You might also like Casper. I mean, it's a lot of PG Halloween movies. And Whoopi Goldberg as a nun. So what I'm going to suggest to you, based on your liking for Hocus Pocus, is the first Wives Club. I mean, we've got two movies with three powerful women. One movie, they're the antagonist. One movie, they're the protagonist. Both movies have Bette Midler, and both movies have Sarah Jessica Parker. But the main, the three main women in First Wives Club are Bette Midler, Diane Keaton, and Goldie Hawn. And it's funny, too, because ironically, at one point in the First Wives Club, Diane Keaton calls themselves. She's like, we're the three witches. And I'm like, ooh, that's kind of ironic. The, so First Wives Club starts out a little dark with... um. Because there was originally four women who were, like, best friends in college. Um, and then they grow up and they all get married to these super rich men. And um, basically the premise of the movie is that all of their husbands are leaving them for quote-unquote newer models. They're all kind of having midlife crises and marrying younger and divorcing their wives and trying to take so much money from them. And um, one of the four women, sadly, Stalker Channing, who I talked about Stalker Channing in the episode where I talked about practical magic, Stalker Channing kills herself sadly because she just can't deal with, she just can't deal with being alone and going through the stress of a divorce. I mean, it's really stressful. I mean, and the women, the fur friends hadn't, spoken in years and years so she really just had no support system at all so the three women come together for their friends their late friends funeral and they end up rekindling i could redo the imdb plot but i'm pretty sure it's just what i said reunited by the death of a college friend three divorced women seek revenge on their husbands who left them for younger women exactly what i just said i mean this movie it, like, in the very, like, first 10 minutes, it already has so many, like, iconic lines. I mean, Goldie Hawn, she goes to her plastic surgeon because she's a she's an actress in real life and in the movie. And um, she plays this, mo- this woman named Elise, and she's trying to get, you know, parts as younger women still, even though she's in her 50s in the movie, I believe. And... She keeps trying to get her plastic surgeon to put more, like, injections in her lip. And he's like, I can't do any more. Like, you already have so much. And he ends up doing more. And um, because she tells him, she's like, there are three ages in Hollywood. Babe, district attorney, and driving Miss Daisy. And that's such an iconic line because it's sadly so true, even just to, like, how Hollywood is today, I think. What's wrong with driving Miss Daisy age? What's wrong with district attorney age? I love both of those. I love those groups of Hollywood women probably more than the babe group of Hollywood women. 
And then, but her having the huge collagen injections in her lips and her lips get super puffy and big leads to one of my favorite lines, which probably like isn't even a memorable line in the movie. But of course it like, it's like two words that just like make me laugh so much every time. I'll just play that for you guys. Morning, Mohammed. Morning, Miss Elliot. So it's like, yeah, like I said, they all fall victim to their husbands marrying younger women. I mean, that you don't really see Stalker Channing's husband and his new wife because, you know, she's not in the movie. So, but his wife, you do see at the funeral, married to Heather Locklear. Bet's Bet Midler's husband Morty. He ends up not marrying, but being with Sarah Jessica Parker. Goldie Hawn's um, husband ends up kind of dating um, Elizabeth Berkeley, who is Jessie from Saved by the Bell. And also she's in Showgirls. Um, Elizabeth Berkeley is also the like younger actress who beats out Goldie Hawn for the younger role she's trying to play. And Elizabeth Berkeley, Berkeley like loves her as an actress and wants her to play her mother. And Goldie Hawn is like super depressed about that. Diane Keaton, she's she has an interesting role in this. She's so naive in the beginning she's thinks that she's like working on her marriage with her husband diane keaton's husband in this movie is um stephen collins she thinks that they're working on their marriage and they're going to counseling their therapist is marcia gay harden uh, there's one really so funny scene where she's in therapy because diane keaton you just want to give her a huge hug the whole movie she's just so like timid and she's so cute in her like blouses that are buttoned all the way up to her neck and her pants that are right at the bottom of her boobs she's just she's so precious and she's so like soft-spoken and such a pushover like her therapist is like hit me like take this like inflatable bat and like hit me on the head with it and she's like no no I couldn't do that and she like jokingly hits her and then (laughs) her therapist is like no do it like really hit me and she's like hits her like super hard with it a bunch of times but it's sad because you feel so bad for Diane and she ends up having her husband cheat on her with her therapist, Marsha Gay Harden. She thinks she's making such good progress in therapy and then just to find out her husband's such a douchebag. He like invites her out to this nice night and literally sleeps with her. And then he's like, I want a divorce after he sleeps with her. And then Marsha Gay Harden walks in. Oh, you feel so bad for all of them, but especially Diane. Diane's, she, I mean, she has like a funny line. She's like, I ironed his shirt. I washed his shorts. I even starched them. And all the ladies are like, you did? And she's like, well, I supervised. But it's nice because, you know, after you see all three women go through like such heartbreak and they're so angry and they want justice and they want revenge i mean they all decide that they deserve better than their scummy exes who want to leave them high and dry i mean they and they owe it to their ex their late friend cynthia not to just end up bitter and lonely and broke i mean they want to take back their dignity and rekindle their friendship that they had when they were you know college age And then on top of all of that, they also want to get justice towards their husbands because they don't want them to just get away with what they're doing because they're all strong, independent women and they deserve what's right and what's fair to them. 
you know, so of course they come up with the first wives club and they just start doing these crazy tactics to like try and like get some of their husbands like their ex-husbands like arrested and try to take some of their businesses away from them and take more money from them. I mean, ultimately, they all do get their comeuppance in the end. And on top of all of that, they sing Don't Tell Me What To Do, which is just also like the best song that these women could sing in this movie because everything that they go for and then the comeuppance that they get, that's the perfect song for them to sing. I don't tell you what to say. I don't tell you what to do. So just let me be my That's probably one of my favorite movie scenes in, and like, top ten of my favorite movie scenes is that scene. The fact that Paramount denied a sequel to this movie is appalling, and it's criminal. In an interview, Bette Midler mentioned that all three of the cast members wanted to make a sequel, but the studio was not agreeable as they viewed the success of the movie as a fluke. Midler also said that the just before the movie opened, she was told it would not do very well because this movie was competing against action movies with male stars such as Bruce Willis. Then the movie opened at number one and outgrossed the action movies. Take that, Bruce Willis. I mean, no disrespect. I liked when you were dating... Well, I didn't like when you were dating Rachel and Friends. I liked when you danced in the mirror and gave yourself a pep talk. I thought that was funny, but other than that, like... I'm not really seeking out Bruce Willis action films. I would much rather watch Bette Midler and Diane Keaton and Goldie Hawn as divorced women getting revenge on their husbands. I mean, rather than whatever Bruce Willis is doing, like driving fast cars and shooting guns. And I don't care. I mean, but I mean, I think that there's sequels in talk. I mean, so many years later, but you know what? Never too late. I mean, this movie grossed over $105 million and beat all the action films, so... And it's timeless, and it's way more quotable. I mean, how often do you hear people quote Bruce Willis movies unless it's Die Hard? Um, never. On top of everything I just said, the intense serotonin release you're going to get from them singing Don't Tell Me What To Do, all the antics of the three women getting revenge on their husbands... You've also got some great cameos in this movie. I mean, I forgot to mention that Maggie Smith, you know, she plays like a rich kind of like matriarchal New York, like Manhattan woman who's super wealthy. And um, I don't even know really how else to describe her. I'm not really sure. I think I'm guessing she's also a first wife, but she's just like really made a name for herself. We also have um, Leia Delaria who is Big Boo from Orange is the New Black popping up at when the ladies all go to a lesbian bar to see Diane Keaton's daughter. Diane Keaton is so supportive of her lesbian daughter. It's so cute. She like literally, she's like, I want to support her lifestyle. So she like goes to a lesbian bar with her friends to see her daughter and they end up running into Leia Delaria. And it's funny too. There is like a really great scene with Diane's daughter, who's not in the movie a ton, but at the end, um, her dad... Diane Keaton's ex-husband is like, what's about to go on? Like, I can't take any more surprises today. And she's like, go in there, daddy, figure it out yourself. And then he's like, oh, she's like, oh, by the way, daddy, I'm a lesbian, a big one. I'm like, oh, God. I passed away when she said that. Gloria Steinem, Ivana Trump, they randomly pop up with like 
not even I don't even think Gloria Steinem has a speaking role she's just like in the background you're like that Gloria Steinem yep it was um Rob Reiner is in it as um the plastic surgeon for Elise Victor Garber um he's Goldie Hawn's ex I mean we just got like a we have a great cast in this movie obviously led by the three incredible women but I mean both of these movies I think if you really liked Hocus Pocus, you will definitely like the first Wives Club. I mean, obviously, not just to me, not just me being biased, they definitely are both classics. Both movies have three strong women who are the forefront of the movie and who are capable way more than they think. I mean, even if you root against the witches, they're still undeniably powerful, just like the three women in the first Wives Club. It's really about like the power of sisterhood. I mean, although one metaphorical sisterhood is all about sucking the life out of children to stay younger, one is about being strong, independent women who don't need to be in the shadow of their rich husbands and the importance of female friendships. So these movies really have a lot more in common than I thought they would. And I think if you liked one of them, you're definitely going to like the other. This movie's rated PG, which is like, kind of baffling to me I mean I guess looking back on it like there weren't any like sex scenes like there wasn't any nudity not a ton of language I guess so I guess that's why it's rated PG but also just like the premise like I'm like what kid is gonna watch the first wives club and enjoy it I don't know but I'm not the one who comes up with the rating systems for movies it also has a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes which, like, again, like like I was saying with Hocus Pocus, like, some critics just need to, like, accept the fact that not every movie is going to be Citizen Kane. Like, First Wives Club is a great, timeless, comedic masterpiece. I mean, and no, I'm not being biased by saying that. I mean, it is an Oscar nominee for Best Music. Is that probably because of the three women singing Don't Tell Me What to Do? Yeah, and that should have won an Oscar. I don't know how it didn't. But you guys, go watch these movies. Hocus Pocus is free on, if you have a Disney Plus membership, you can watch First Wives Club on Amazon Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime. If So you if you have a lot of memberships like I do, you definitely can watch both of these movies for free. If not, you could definitely rent them for probably only a few bucks each on Amazon as well. With that being said, you guys, rate and review me on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about me if you have a friend who's looking for a new podcast, new movie suggestions, send them my way. Follow me on You Might Also Like Pod on Instagram. Until next time, goodbye.